0: really phenomenal things I was thinking of Andre and then I was thinking of Matt and Chris who just started a uh, club for Christians before school on Sunday morning I don't know what you're doing who are you witnessing to at work which neighbors are you working and helping Uh, are you helping with the tractor pull by the way October 10th uh, pray for that I'm going to give my testimony I decide I'm going to do that but you know what if God puts you there he wants you to minister there I don't care where it is or what the circumstances. He wants you to minister. Uh, This morning, we're not going to talk in that direction because we are finishing, believe it or not, I'm actually finishing a series of sermons. It takes a while in this case. We started out, if you haven't been here for a long time or never been here before, uh, months ago, in the beginning of summer, we had the Fireproof Your Marriage series. That was six sermons. I had every intention of addressing young people who were unmarried. It just never happened. There was never enough time to do that. So God convicted and showed me to do a series for young people. Now, there are three purposes. First of all, everything we talk about is a general biblical principle that's true across the board for all people. Universal truth. The second is, and you might think this is weird if I'm addressing young people, but this is for parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, friends. If you have young people that you have an influence and you communicate with and you have contact with, you need to not only be a shining example to them, you also need to be an instructor, a disciple of them. And it may be in small ways or it may be in huge ways. If you're a youth leader, this is for you. It doesn't matter. If you're already married, you need to be an example to those that aren't. Word, deed, and every other way. And then, of course, the obvious one is these are principles that are directed specifically to those that are unmarried. Particularly teenagers, but it applies to anyone who is unmarried. I call it a knot or a noose because there are people in our church that are married over 50 years. The knot was tied. It's tight and it's better today than it was 50, 60 years ago. On the other hand, I have been in the office and done counseling and been on the phone and in person people have said, I wish somebody would have told me what you're telling people now. 10 five, 20 years ago because I made a mistake, and I feel like I'm going around the life with a noose around my neck because I got married. I didn't make right choices. I married the wrong person. I've heard it all. I think I heard it all. It's a noose around their neck. My purpose is to equip you, encourage you, and challenge you so you yourself or you can help someone else in this direction. We've already, really quick review, we've looked at the, this whole process that relationships take take time. Don't rush into anything. That's what I thought when I was younger. It's like, I've got to get married now. What if I lose this girlfriend? I'll never get married. It doesn't work that way. Relationships take time. Don't rush it. Number two, know the meaning of love. As we talked about in that one song about Worship, which is expressing my heart attitude to God in whatever form, love has nothing to do with me. It has a focus on the good, the well being of the other person, taking care and ministering to them. That's what love is. Love is not about me, it's about the other person. Dating is serious. This is something that takes you in a direction that may alter the rest of your life. So you need to take it seriously. We looked at the spiritual bottom line, which said, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. I expand on that because I believe that if you're not spiritually going the same direction, you need to reconsider that relationship also. If God is leading you one direction and you're obedient and the other person is not, that is not a good match. That's not a good direction to go. We also looked at dating is not controlling. In other words, you You never become someone's possession. That is never true. Even in marriage, you're not somebody's possession. You have given up some of your rights, and you have now extra responsibilities, but you're not possessed by somebody else. We also talked about using your brain. You say, where does that come in? Use your brain, because let's face it. The world says love is blind. It doesn't say that in the Bible, but I got to tell you, I know where it came from. Because when you think you're in love and you get emotional attachment or affection for someone, your brain doesn't work the same as it did before. And your hormones, your emotions, and a whole lot of other things get in the way, cloud everything up, including your Im- immorality and all those kinds of things. And we looked at that. That you need to use your brain, looking out for temptations and other assorted things that go with that. Now, <clears throat> I ended with, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 3 which says this for this is the will of God your sanctification that is that you abstain from sexual immorality that's where we ended several weeks ago when um, I completed the last sermon today there are three more areas that I would like to look at we will complete this series now I've told you that before but I am actually doing it this morning Life is more than you see. I'm going to get myself in trouble with this one by somebody, but uh, the Bible says in Proverbs, and by the way, this is gender, this point is gender biased. Gender biased, most of the time I get accused of being tough on the men. In this case, it's gonna be tough on the women. So be aware of that. Um, uh, it is life is more than you see. In Proverbs 31, it says this: Charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Now, notice what it doesn't say. It does not say that it's bad to be attractive. It doesn't say being a charming person is wrong. That's not what it says. It says that if that's what you base it on, and that's what a relationship is based on, you have a faulty foundation from the very beginning. Because these things do go away. Let's take beauty, and I try not to be too graphic because I know I have a diverse audience. But let's face it, some of us been around for a while. Okay, our skin, I, I met my wife, she's not here, she, I use this illustration so and I didn't get shot after the first service, so, but I met my wife when she was 15. By the way, I am not recommending that, I'm just telling you that's what it was. We started dating she was 15. That's not a good idea, but that's what we did. I've learned, okay? Uh, Her skin is not the same as it was back then. And I got to tell you, gravity and age and a whole lot of other things take over, okay? I don't need to go any further than that. It's just the way it is. We change. No doubt about it. But I'll tell you what, if your relationship is based on physical appearance only, You're in for a big shock someday. And all you young people that think you're never going to grow old, forget it. Unless the rapture happens and you're young when you die or leave this earth, it's going to happen. That's just the way it is. It comes to, it says beauty is vain. It means it comes to nothing, empty. Doesn't say it's bad, doesn't say it's sinful. In fact is, I will be, and I'll bet you every other guy in here will say, we appreciate attractive women. And by the way, I, I got to make something clear. Attractiveness and physical beauty is indeed in the eyes of the holder. Otherwise, certain types of people would never get married, never have boyfriends, girlfriends, or, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. It, it's different for everyone. But the truth of the matter is those things are fleeting. They are not permanent. What is permanent is the respect for the Lord that's the bottom line that is so important i could have put that with another point just said no the spiritual things are more important but many times in dating and i'm going to say to parents a lot of times we get wrapped up and our heads get a little fuzzy along with our kids they come home and and you can see the big smile on their face and they're all happy and they clean the room for once and 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 they're acting normal and you go what's wrong and you know they got a new boyfriend or a girlfriend Okay, it doesn't last too long, but, but it it happens. Point is, um, the, I totally lost my point. I don't know what I was doing there. Okay, <laughs> physical characteristics or physical things fade away, but character grows more and more attractive. You know, if you're young and you don't understand that, you need to grow for a while. But. There's nothing wrong with physical attraction. In fact is, I would tell you that when I saw my wife, I'm thinking, she's good looking. By the way, I still agree with that. If I didn't, I'd be in big trouble right now. But the truth is, you shouldn't marry somebody that you're not attracted to physically. That's not the bottom line, though. It's one part of a whole package. That's the way it is. There's nothing wrong with that. But it will run into problems if that's all there is. One thing, and this is the thing I think that might get me in trouble, but God, there's a, there's a verse in the Bible that is used and used partially. I've never heard it used in the full, including by me. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. It says this But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For man sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now, I'm going to be telling you right now, I have always emphasized the last phrase. God looks at the heart. Here's what happens, ladies. And this is, that's why I say this point is gender bias. And, and I've been, women. I've heard them say this. I've heard teenagers. I've seen women, haired women. You know what? It doesn't matter how I dress. Men are just going to have to deal with it. doesn't matter if it gets their mind going in the wrong direction, their hormones in the wrong direction. doesn't matter. God sees my heart, and that's all that matters. Well, guess what? We're not talking about God this morning in that sense. We're not saying, how does God see you? We're talking about, how does a, a guy see you? It says that man looks on the outward appearance. That's the other part of this verse. People do judge you and do have an idea of who you are by what you look like on the outside. That is true, and you all know that. You cannot get away with it. Yeah, God ultimately looks at the heart. That is absolutely true and correct. But he also tells us that in a sin-filled, sin-cursed world with sin natures, what you do on the outside is also important. Because man does look at the outside. When you meet someone, let's say you you walk up to somebody and their clothes is all dirty and their hair isn't combed and uh, you can tell they haven't taken a bath for a long time, you go, there's something drastically wrong with this person. Because they don't even take care of themselves. And it, you start thinking in your mind, they might be mentally, emotionally challenged in some way. Something, something isn't right here. Because the outward appearance does show us a lot of things. In fact is, I can prove from the Bible, for example, in Proverbs chapter 7, verse 10, it says this, Behold, the woman comes to meet him. Well, no problem there. Dressed as a harlot and cunning of heart. Notice that? There is a connotation that went with something. It was with the outward appearance, and there was a connotation that went with that. We do the same thing. We talk about first impressions and things like that. I agree that first impressions, you can fool people. Do you ever notice that people that get caught in some kind of crime never wore a suit and tie in their life? But boy, I'll tell you what, they show up in the courtroom with a suit and tie and a haircut. Why? Because they're trying to make an impression, maybe a false one, but they're trying to make an impression. The outside does say something, and particularly to other people. God looks right through it. He knows what your heart's like. But man does look on the outside. So, women, i got to tell you, what you do on the outside does make a difference. And uh, you can lie to yourself and say it's my business, it, doesn't, it shouldn't concern anybody else. That's not true. God says man does look at the outward appearance. There's no way to get around that. And the way you dress does communicate to others something about you. Whether it's true or not, it's a different story, but it does communicate something to other people. I'm a guy, and I'm going to tell you that's the way it is, and any other guy that will be honest is going to tell you the exact same thing. So um, we're going to go that direction. You can say, they can, women can also say, well, if I'm if attractive to, uh, to other guys, I can't do anything about that. But I can tell you this, if you're promoting distraction, you can. See, attractive is one thing. Distractive is a different thing. And you ladies know it. You know you can get our attention. First of all, Guys, let's be serious about this. If a a female is breathing, they're attractive. Okay? Now, take it from there. It's a joke, okay? I see these ladies ready to shoot me. Uh, But it's the truth. Guys, we all know that. Let's be honest about it and, and just say it the way it is. But if you know that your attitude and your outward is to distract guys to look at you, then you know already that you're going in the wrong direction. And I will tell you in the Bible, men, it doesn't say much about men and dress in the Bible. It really doesn't. But it absolutely does the women. Because God knows how He created us. He created men. We are very visual. Women are more relational. That's why for men, it's husbands love your wives. That type of thing. Because He knows that's what we're negligent and when he addresses women he says hey your outward appearance does count nowhere does it say anything like this about men first peter i'm uh, sorry first timothy chapter 2 verses 9 and 10 he says likewise i want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing modestly and discreetly not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly garments but rather by means of good works as befits women making a claim to godliness you've heard it that uh, clothes makes the man. Well, it can make an impression, but it doesn't make the man. We also know from James that it says that there was prejudice going on because someone would come in and find clothing, they put on airs, and they would get shown, and I'm sorry, they would go to the prime seats. Don't do that. Because it was the clothing that distinguished them from the common ordinary people. And God says that is not the way it's supposed to be. So ladies, do not allow your clothing to define who you are. You've heard it over and over again. And even the world knows this. They said, you know, it's more than your looks. It's your brains and those kinds of things. Please. But let's go one step further. Let it be your spirituality. That's what it said several places we already read. Let it be your godly character that defines who you are, not the latest fashion. By the way, people make lots of money. I'm not against fashion, but I got to tell you that they make lots of money on it, and they'll tell you every year something different. My wife tells me those two colors don't go together. I said, just wait another five years, and they'll wear those colors together. I mean, that's just the way it is, Um, so you can see how fashion conscious I am. If I ever look good, it's because my wife dressed me. I can tell you that right now. The point is, it's okay to be nice, it's okay to be attractive, but clothes from the very, very beginning were meant to be a covering, and that's what they should do. Just get real practical. I remember, because I grew up in the 60s, early 70s, I remember when girls wore skirts. I don't know if I should say this or not, but you better have clean underwear on because they were that short okay? I'm telling you, it was bad. It's going back there again. Now I find it's going the other way where the top is going down. I got to tell you, here's what happens. When you're a guy, girls, you need to know this, and moms and dads, you need to understand this, is guys are attracted, and a young man will say, wow, she's really good looking. What he really means is sexy and provocative and a few other things. And he'll think that's really good. And this is to the young men now is, oh, that looks good. But I'm going to tell you, once you get engaged or you get serious about it, or you get married and you see some other guy going like this, you're not going to be thinking that's so attractive anymore. You're going to want to punch the guy's lights out. Understand? See, it's got to be across the board. It's got to be real uh, across the board. That's the way it needs to be. So, uh, whether it's too much cleavage, too much, short a skirt, too too tight, too see-through, and oh, this one, this one goes, but I, I never thought I would say this from the pulpit or any other place, but guys and girls, the next one comes to. Please, underwear means under something else. <laughs> I gotta t- I'm serious, I don't care if it's guys or girls, underwear is meant to be under. And you say, well, that's not provocative, you know, it's not revealing. But i got to tell you, it says something. I don't care if it says you're a wannabe gangster or whatever it is, but I don't care what it is. It says something. Understand these things. You all know. See, if if that wasn't true, none of you would have laughed. But you all know that what I'm saying is correct. And the Bible backs it right up. It says that. So kind of keep that in mind. And I've already said, guys you can get your mind befuddled and fuzzy real quick with fancy-looking clothes or lack thereof. But i got to tell you, you'll like it for now, but after a while, your mind will change. Because when you're walking and you see people talking to your wife and they're not looking you in the eyes and they're looking other places, you're not going to like that. So remember that. And remember, guys, when you're ogling somebody else, that's somebody else's daughter. That's somebody else's... Wife, girlfriend, sister, brother. uh, Not brother, but I mean sister. (laughs) Okay, I'm getting off this subject because I'm going to get in trouble soon. Okay, just keep that in mind, guys. And girls, one last test. Don't ask your boyfriend or your fiancé, is it okay? Here's what you do. And parents, you need to do this one. Ask your dad, is this outfit okay? Ask your brother, especially your big brother, is this okay for me to wear in public? Oh, why don't you ask your grandfather? You see, they all know. I'm dead serious. And if they say, hey, that isn't too good, you need to be careful. And one other thing, I just wanted to point out, Mrs. Diamond brought me this one, so I'm I'm in safe ground now. When she would teach teacher training, she would say to all the ladies, whatever you do before you leave to go teach Sunday school, Go in front of a mirror, lean over, and find out. I've been to weddings already where if the bride knew what everybody saw, they would be horrified. I've got to tell you that. Be careful. I'm just telling you, because it sends a message. It absolutely does. Okay, I'm done with that. I'm moving on. They are who they are. If you're in a relationship or you see your kids in a relationship where one person is trying to change who the other person is, you've got to speak up. Here's what I mean by that. In life, there are three levels of life, and I'm starting at the bottom here. You were born with a personality. Faye and I knew what our children were going to be like by the time they were three years old. And we have not been disappointed. John acted like John. Amy acted like Amy. Missy acted like Missy still does today. Has it been tweaked and changed somewhat? The answer is, of course, they've grown and matured. But their basic personality will never change. If you are dating somebody and they're trying to change who you are, you need to get out of that relationship. Because that is not what God wants for you. He made you a unique individual, and you need to be who God made you because that one there, what you were born with, your personality, you really can't change it. It will get tweaked. For example, people don't think that I'm kind of backward. We were at a wedding yesterday. My wife sat down and she talked to two other ladies the whole time. I talked to just about no one. I said a few things to people I knew. That was it. She's outgoing. She's been that way ever since I know her. I have always been laid back. The only reason that you think I'm not laid back is because God gave me a gift and gave me a responsibility and position and gave me the power to carry it out. That's what makes me who I am. That changed my personnel a little bit, but i got to tell you, on normal things, I'm, I'm still that same shy, laid-back guy that I always was. None of you believe that for a second, I know, but that's just the way it is. Uh, except the tractor pulls. But see, that's ministry also, Dave. Okay, the second thing, and this is the one that can change, and this is the one the Bible emphasizes, character is king. It is the choices that you make, the sum total of the choices that you make. This one can and should change, but I got to tell you this, if someone is dating and the person is trying to force character change, that will not work either. Again, you can't change the person. You can be a good influence, you can be a good testimony, you can be a lot of good things, but you cannot force someone to change their character. Fact is, almost all things that look like forced character changes will always revert back to where they were as soon as the crisis is over. You see it all the time. The last thing is self-control. This one is not self-discipline. Self-discipline simply says, I know when to say yes or no at the right time for the right thing that's self-discipline. Self-control is essentially stewardship. It is the right, good, and balanced use of all the resources God has given you. That's your spiritual gifts. That's your abilities. That's your education. That's your family. That's your position. That's your money. That's, I don't care what it is. Whatever God has made available to you, you need to use it in a good, right, and balanced way and uh, that is what takes us above and beyond that's when we are serving the lord with our to the fullest got to have the character you're born with the personality the character is the choices you make and self-control is how you use what god has handed to you and everyone has a different set of things handed to them you are not me and i am not you My gifts are different than yours. My abilities are different. My education, all those things, my background, my culture, it's all different. God expects me to use it. If you're trying to change somebody, to to force them to, to be somebody they're not, it won't work, and you can think you've done it. It won't happen, and you get married. Then you'll be in the pastor's office doing counseling and say, why did I marry this person? I thought I would change them. By the way, nobody ever says, I thought I would change them but in their heart and if you get them separate they'll say i thought they would change. It doesn't work young people, and parents if you see it happening please speak up. Be a parent. You need to do that. You say you haven't given us any reason to biblically agree with you. Well, how about this for example? In Proverbs chapter 20 verse 11 it says, "By his deed it is by his deeds that a lad distinguishes himself. If his conduct is pure and right, in other words, what we do does distinguish who we are. In the New Testament, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12 says this, "...let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, purity, show yourself an example of those who believe." In other words, you do express who you are to other people. You are to show that And anyone, young people, Anyone who you're dating is who's trying to change you in one of these areas and forcing change, get out, run, get just get out of there. And parents, if you see it, warn them and help them to get out of that. The last one, and this is the one that probably caused uh, some. You you go out and you're going to have to think about this one. That's all I'm going to tell you. Is in the process of finding a marriage partner, how much do we involve other people? I propose to you that we should involve lots of other people. Particularly, the passage we're going to look at that you've already turned to is going to talk specifically to a father. But I believe this, and I'm just going to read it. If parents and others who know, care about you, and want to see the best in you, and they may even know the person you're dating, if they have a cautionary view... Yellow flag, red flag, saying something's not good in this relationship. Please, young people, listen to them. I'm not telling you you have to do exactly what they say, but listen. Consider anything they tell you because your mind may be clouded. You need somebody with an unbiased, unemotional, objective view so that you see it for what it is. And young people don't see that. I, if you would have told me that back years ago, I probably would have laughed at you and said, you don't know what you're talking about. Now I'm up here telling you, no, you need to do that. And parents, you need to be involved. I'm not telling you you got to fix a mar- uh, have an arranged marriage or any of those kinds of things. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying know your kids, be involved with your kids, be involved with who they're involved with. By the way, that's not only dating relationships. That's all of your kids' relationships. But get to know and spend time with people. And spend time with people. And if you're really serious and mature about this, young people, ask somebody you trust. Ask one of your youth leaders. I'll bet you they'll tell you the truth. You may like what you hear, and you may absolutely not like what you hear. Ask your dad. Ask your mom. You know, ask them, what do you see? Do you see that kind of thing? But, And there's one other thing that you need to remember in this involvement. See, when we are young, I've been there too, uh, we think that I love this person, I want to marry this person. It's just me and them. That is not true. You only ever marry one person, and by the way, for anybody that doesn't know this yet, it's one person of the opposite gender, okay, just in case anybody was not clear on that, is you marry a person, but you get... As a package deal, a family and friends and associates, you get them all. Don't think that that has no influence. Oh, I know you're not marrying them, but I'll tell you what. In my office, Romans chapter 12, the last half of the chapter, I call it the mother-in-law chapter. You know why? Because I have to go back that and show people. Because it's God's way of dealing with social relationships. And I've used it so many times on mother-in-laws. Oh, I'm marrying the daughter, and you got the mother-in-law with. By the way, I'm not against mother-in-laws. I have one, too, you know, But, and they don't have to be bad. But they can be, and it can be father-in-laws, too. It works across the board. You do get a package deal. So, involving others, and especially those that are close to the person you enjoy and are appreciating at that point, is important. Get to know their family. Get to know their friends. Because if you indeed ever land up getting married to them, they will be a part of the picture. There's no way you can get around that. And if you don't deal with it now, you will deal with it later. And I have had wives come to me and said, my husband still acts like he's single because he's still hanging out with his buddies and he's neglecting me. I've, you know, anyway, my wife's out with her girlfriends uh, spending all the money and they're never home. I, I hear all that stuff. Please, make sure you know who their friends are. Make sure you know the family. I, 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 you got to involve other people. And they have a much more objective view. Now, very quickly, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 36. It says there, But if any man <clears throat> thinks that he is acting unbecomingly toward his virgin daughter... If she should be a full age, and if it must be so, let him do as he wishes. He does not sin, let her marry. Understand, patriarchal society, dad had a huge amount of say. Very different than our society. Uh, I don't say we, we should live exactly that way. But the truth of the matter is, this is a biblical principle that family did have some say so. Now, there's a few things here that you can go home And you can disagree with me if you want. I'm not going to be dogmatic on a few of these things because people way smarter than I am don't got it all together. But I believe there are some biblical principles. The first one is, you already heard it, others need to be involved. You need a perspective outside of your own. Okay. In this case, it's a dad. And he says uh, it's not a sin if his daughter says she wants to get married. She's a full age. I don't know what full age is. I don't know that anybody does. If you know what it is, please tell me. I haven't been able to find it in the Bible. I believe in those days, it was much younger than it is today, but I don't believe it's 15 or 16. I don't believe it's 17 or 18. It might be 18, 21. I don't know what it is, but somewhere along the line, um, and I I have to tell you, my, my personal was when they graduated from high school and they were 18, that's kind of how I looked at this at that point. But nonetheless, before that, I had a lot of say, so after that, it goes downhill real fast. But it says it's not sin. She's a full age. She can make her own decision. Verse 36, But he who stands firm in his heart, being under no constraint... We're going to come back to that phrase again because that's going to be a toughie. Uh, Being under no constraint but has authority over his own will and has decided in his own heart to keep his virgin daughter, he will do well. And then it goes on to say both he who gives his own virgin daughter in marriage... Uh, will do well. And he who does not give her in marriage will do better. So it comes down to, it doesn't give us a definitive answer. Now let's go back to no constraint. I think what that means, and I may be wrong, so I'm not going to be dogmatic, but it's simply this. The daughter isn't saying, dad, I'm getting married. I don't care what you say. I'm getting married. That's constraint. That's the only thing that fits the context. The point is this. There is a certain age where dad says, no, that's the way it is. Even our law, recognizes that because you can't get married under a certain age without a parent's signature. So even our Pennsylvania law acknowledges that there's something there, somewhere along the line. Uh, But the key thing is not, let's look at, is this exactly what's a full age, what's constraint? That's not my main point because I can't give you a dogmatic viewpoint there. What I can tell you is you need to be involved with your kids, and kids, you need to be respectful toward your parents. That's the key thing that's here. Because both of them will do okay. Both of them are okay. But there has to be that oversight. The involvement of those. I didn't think this. I thought my parents were the stupidest people who ever lived. I'm going to tell you that. And I thought that from about 12 to 18. After that, I started getting smarter myself and realize they were a lot smarter than I thought okay so understand if you have teenagers they may think that way of you you're just gonna have to live with it but during that time when they think they know it all (laughs) that's when you need to be there and help them through it can you force them to think right no can you force them to have right emotions no you can't do that but you absolutely have the right no you don't you have the privilege, no, you have the responsibility of speaking up, standing up, speaking out, and and being there. That you must do. If there's nothing else you get from this, that's the bottom line. And dads, according to this, the buck stops with you. Mom's not even mentioned here. I think she has a role in this, but dad, the buck stops with you. This is a tough place to be. It's not easy. All of these things are um, here in front of us. And our time is out, up. But I have one more statement to make. If, I might as well just read it. If you're in a relationship, I'm sorry, let me start over. Avoid a lifetime of heartache by not starting or by ending a wrong relationship now and if you're a parent here's what that goes to you if you've gotten caught up in Susie came home Johnny came home and they were all oh I have a boyfriend a girlfriend and you're like oh that's so cute and then you're you're vicariously living your lost childhood through them and don't speak up start speaking up be involved not judgmental not down their throat but be there talk to them know what's going on it's absolutely essential. What I'm looking for, what I believe God is looking for is this. Families that act like families. Be an example. Because what you pass down, it's amazing. My kids are now coming back to me and saying, Mom and Dad, we didn't like what you said, but now we're practicing the exact same things that you said. <laughs> it's amazing what it is. Be a parent. Be a grandparent. Be a good aunt or uncle. Point these things out, whether it's dress or relationship or whatever it happens to be. Be there for them. They need you. Young people, you need them. Let's get rid of this stupid generation gap stuff and work together. Because, let's face it, as I already said, you're all interrelated in this whole thing. All these relationships have other people that are right around the perimeter of it. That's the way it will always be. So I encourage you in that direction. We're out of time. If you would stand, please, as we close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, you are very clear in your general principle.